Hi, and welcome back to the Ancestral Elements Podcast, Episode 4. On this episode, we're talking about the element of wood. Welcome back, everyone. Before we get going with this episode, I wanted to give you guys a quick heads up and just let you know that I'm doing remote nutrition consultations. So if you're looking to change your nutrition habits for the new year, or you're struggling with weight issues, or autoimmune dysfunction, or maybe hormonal imbalance, I would love to be able to help with that. So if you would like any advice, feel free to reach out at ancestralelements.com and we can get working towards better health for the new year. All right, and this week we are talking about this amazing element of wood. If you think about how versatile this element is, it's pretty astounding. 20,000 years ago, they were using it for essentially the same things we use it for today, things like heat and shelter and tools. All of this is derived from this element of wood. So let's look at some ancestral uses for wood. Again, fire building is essential for heat and cooking and just general longevity. Shelter, you see wood frames being used, um, like the quintessential teepee building of North America. Wood frames were used to drape deer hides across and bison hides across. They were extremely portable. It was lightweight, able to pack them on horses um, and travel with mobile shelter. Wikiups were another great example of the use of shelter. A lot of times they were used more as a temporary shelter. It was kind of this teepee-like shape, but it was covered with bark, and it was used almost as a, just a little kind of layover lodge type structure for an evening or a couple of days if you were out kind of hunting or gathering in, you know, away from base camp. This was another um, very common uh, shelter that was constructed by the use of wood and bark. Things like basket making that maybe you wouldn't normally equate with this element of wood, this essential skill that was at the center of day-to-day life. I'm looking over at my pack basket right now, and I love it. It's lightweight. It has straps, so I can put it on my back just like a backpack, but it's a woven wicker-type basket. It's fantastic for foraging things like mushrooms or greens. It has airflow, unlike a backpack, where things that you forage tend to get kind of, well, no airflow unless you leave the backpack open, but even then it's very poor. If it gets wet, then the water runs out of the basket, so things don't stay soaking wet like it would in a traditional backpack. Um, it's an essential, essential tool that has been used for thousands and thousands of years. It makes life so much easier to deal with with this technology of a basket. Fishing baskets, another great example. You make fish traps out of wicker baskets. So this idea of weaving 
um, was a very practical ancestral use um, carrying vessels. So canteen-like vessels were used and sometimes carved out of wood. Tools, bows, arrows, um, even boats were hand-dug and burned out of single logs. So you're looking at the essentially mode of transportation of the time, let's say anywhere from 10 to, you know, 100,000 years ago. These skills were done through this element of wood. So what we're getting at here is it is extremely important to have an ample amount of wood around. It's going to be very, very useful to sustain a population of hunter-gatherers. It's not just, wood is not just used for tools and kind of practical usage like structures or tools. Think about all of the food you get from trees. And we'll talk more about this when we talk about nutrition. But I want you to just think about all of the uses that wood can bring into your life. Okay, so let's shift into traditional Chinese medicine and this element of wood. So classically, it is a spring element, so an element of spring. And that is a time of year where you get a ton of new growth, a ton of new greens pop up from kind of the lull, the dead of winter. In traditional Chinese medicine, wood also cultivates fire. We've talked a lot about fire. Um, and we've talked about how wood is essentially captured sunlight and how it increases fire inside the body. It is associated with the gallbladder and the liver. This element, uh, again, kind of brings new growth in the body, kind of revamps things up from this idea that things slow down in the wintertime. You get this kind of a lull in the body. A lot of times in winter, you're eating excess fat for cold days, so you can have what's called thermoregulation in the body or a thermogenic effect of food. So your body has to heat up to process a lot of excess fat, which can be taxing on the gallbladder and the liver. And so by eating fresh greens, these fresh kind of woody-esque substances in the springtime, it tones the gallbladder and the liver function. I mean, even think about the culinary herbs we still use today, things like rosemary. Think about how woody rosemary is. I mean, it essentially becomes a shrub. Or sagebrush is another great example of a woody shrub. A lot of herbs are medicinal. I mean, this is a wild plant that hasn't been domesticated. And that's why those flavors are so pungent. And you get this kind of medicinal quality to so many culinary herbs that we still use today. It essentially is a, a wild food still. You also have mushrooms that grow and have a relationship with trees. I mean, a lot of mycelium and mushrooms only grow on very specific varieties of trees. They have this symbiosis, this kind of mutual beneficial relationship with trees. Now, some mushrooms also have kind of a parasitic relationship. 
two trees, um, things like chaga mushroom or reishi mushroom that technically aren't mushrooms as you would think of them as kind of a soft flesh mycelium. They contain what's called a lot of chitin, um, a woody substance that grows kind of right inside the trunk. Um, it kind of permeates the bark of the tree and actually ends up killing the tree or it can. It often only fruits, so the fruit body of the mycelium only comes out on dead trees with chaga and reishi mushroom. These examples of reishi and chaga are examples of what's called a polypore species of mushroom. And they're classified as a medicinal mushroom. So these are mushrooms that you wouldn't, you can't just eat. They have to be boiled down for, on a rapid boil for a number of hours to break up all that chitin. Chitin is the same thing as cellulose, essentially, that is in wood. Um, It's called a glucosaccharide, which wood is sugar, so it has sugar compounds to it, but your body can't process it. So these are these mushrooms are boiled down into teas, and you get a whole host of immune function and these what's called immunomodulators that help either increase the immune system response or decrease the immune system response, um, depending on what you need. So there are substances that really should be utilized throughout the year for maintaining a healthy and robust immune system. Even lichens on trees, you know, I mean, mosses, right, that grow on trees are used for medicines. Currently, right now, there's a lot of research being put into lichens for cancer research and for certain antibiotics because these are kind of a hybrid species. They have a fungi component to them, but they also have an algae component to them, and they also have a plant component to them. So there's kind of three species rolled into one. Uh, It's an extremely interesting concept when you look at it. Irish moss is a great example of lichen being used to kind of fortify broths or soups. The reason it's called Irish moss is because it was found, got its practical use in Ireland, but it's also grown all over the world. That's a great example of how lichen can be used. So in other words, these things grown on wood or out of wood, it's just another example of how versatile wood can be. I mean, it provides everything from fire to nutrition. A lot of nutrition you get from wood causes what's called biological hormesis or a hormetic response. What that means is that it causes a your body to struggle, essentially, and it kind of kicks up a response. It's almost like um, training biologically in your body, just like you kind of go out for a long run and it's a struggle for the body, but it feels good after. That's a lot of what these kind of wood nutrients do. They're medicines that come from this element of wood. Another really cool aspect of wood is what it gives off. So an example would be pine pollen. Every spring, you go outside and your car is covered with pollen. That's pine pollen. And pine pollen is super cool because it deals with hormone regulation. It's actually one of the, it actually is the highest testosterone-containing plant 
on the planet. Um, it also balances amino acids. It's loaded with amino acids like arginine and glutamic acid and cysteine and methionine and lysine. It also has vitamins. It has vitamin C, D, E, B5, B1, B6. So this is a substance that isn't a wood substance per se, but it's given off by pine trees. A very crucial substance, um, one that is a really good nutrient for men. If you are looking to naturally build testosterone and don't want to take a synthetic form, there are fantastic tinctures you can take of pine pollen. And if you do that a couple times a day, your testosterone levels remain very high, which is going to be overall way better for your health. Being this is a natural compound, women can take it too. It's not just for men. Like I said, it's loaded with amino acids and it's going to balance the amino acid profile in your body naturally. That's the cool thing about not using ultra-synthetic substances as medicines when they have the full form of all the compounds, then typically it's going to balance your body a lot slower, but it's not going to be as intense on the physiology. You have other nutrients coming from trees too. Think about the essential oils we talked about in the air episode. Essential oils of pine and fir that help fill the air and the oxygen that you breathe in when you're out in a natural environment. These are extremely crucial to build the immune system and to keep the body healthy. You also have things like water. Think about maple syrup, right? I mean, that comes off as water. It's a clear liquid in a maple tree that has nutrients in it. If you don't think maple syrup is a nutrient or is nutritious, it actually is. Yeah, it has a high sugar content, but it also contains a lot of nutrients. You have to boil and reduce that water down, and you reduce it down to a syrup, but you're still getting a lot of nutrients from a tree, and you're able to, if you live in a place where you can tap maple trees, you can get enough to supply your entire carbohydrate and sweetness for a year. Birch is another great example of a very medicinal tree. You can make aspirin out of birch. You can also make birch syrup, similar to maple syrup. It's not as sweet. It doesn't contain as much glucose, but is far more medicinal. Think about all the wild fruit trees that are on a particular landscape, especially in the tropics. You have things like mango and pineapple and coconut. All of these contain this wood element that are able to sustain life. Fruit trees are a great example. I mean, even in North America, you have tons of wild fruit trees. You have feral apple trees that are growing. There are wild plum trees and grapevines and, and cherry trees that grow apricot trees grow. Then you get into nut trees. Outside I can look and see oak trees, which a lot of people may not think of as a nut tree, but it is probably one of the most productive nut trees in existence. Basically all of North America you can find oak. This was a carbohydrate that was used for centuries 
it was a staple carbohydrate, meaning it was probably the majority of carbohydrate calories came from this nut. It's a process to make acorns edible. Um, typically, they are made into a flower, which requires leaching out the tannic acid and the tannins that oak trees have in them and then drying that flower out. Um, I do this process every year. I really enjoy it. I like to supply wild carbohydrate to me and my family, and it's nice to incorporate that into some wild meat or even just replace it as our flour or incorporate it into baked goods um, to at least supplement some better nutrition. It's loaded with B vitamins and zinc and iron. It's a very it's a very nutritious substance that has no gluten and it doesn't have to be ultra refined like a lot of nut flours you see like almond flour for example or coconut flour. That is produced by industry and it's kind of ultra-refined, similar to wheat flour. From a nutritional standpoint, it is always, always better if you can take things wild foraged, produced off of a landscape. It's always going to be a higher nutritional value. I know that that's not always a reasonable thing to do, but from a sheer nutrition standpoint, that is how we are biologically adapted to eat and to live. We'll talk about the differences in an upcoming episode on cultivated and domestic foods versus wild foods, but I just wanted to throw that idea out there and have you guys think about it in the next couple of weeks. We're going to get into it more, like I said, but it's an interesting idea to think about it from just a pure nutritional perspective. The other pretty amazing thing about this element of wood is kind of on the same vein we talked about last week with the air episode. It filters CO2 and produces oxygen. So we're breathing out this CO2 and the trees and the wood take that CO2 in and then produce for us fresh oxygen, which means that anytime we are kind of void of major woody material around us, then we are not going to be getting enough adequate oxygen to supply our biological needs. Not to mention, let's say in a, in a built environment inside your house, for example, you're going to be getting a ton of volatile organic compounds or VOCs that are off-gassing, this idea of off-gassing chemicals at room temperature, at ambient kind of temperature, and you're breathing those in. And even with a ton of houseplants, it's tough to scrub that stuff out of the air. So it's just another example of what the natural environment does in all of its balance to keep things regulated in our body and in the general ecosystem. This element of wood, I have quite a bit of direct experience with. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest on a homestead. Our main source of heat was a wood stove. Really, our only source of heat was a wood stove, which meant that we had to cut, split, and stack all of our wood for the winter. So we would fall trees in the springtime, cut them into rounds, split them by hand or with a wood splitter, and then stack wood basically all summer long. That 
honestly was basically my summer job. I would just stack wood, but it was a necessary thing we had to do. And it, it was a ton of work and it meant burning a lot of calories to get your heat. But that was the way it traditionally was done and the way that a lot of people still do it today. And if you're looking at that whole process as kind of a holistic process, then you're getting a ton of exercise, you're getting a ton of different movement, and then you're getting nutrition from the wood in the form of fire or infrared light, like we talked about way back in the first episode. So it kind of comes back full circle. That's why you feel so good when you're sitting around a campfire. You're getting surrounded with infrared light, which feeds and nourishes the body. You have to become a direct participant in all of that. You can't just go to the wall and burn up a thermostat. It takes a lot of dedication and a lot of participation, which every element that we've talked about takes a lot of participation and dedication to learn how to utilize and learn how to work with instead of fight or exploit. So in wrapping all of this up, I want to give you guys another three tips that you can work with on a daily basis or think about. The first one is learn your trees. If you look outside right now out your window and you can't identify any of the trees that are out there, man, that could be a problem. Um, that is probably the easiest entry point into identifying things and especially plant identification in the natural world. Learn the trees because a lot of stuff tends to be an indicator of what trees are around. You can find other species that grow in that same habitat as certain trees. So if you don't have a familiarization with the trees that are in your environment, it makes it way, way harder to identify other things or other little niche ecosystems in your environment. So learn your trees. That's probably number one. Number two, um, get out. Get Again, get out into the woods. Um, that's the only way you're really going to be able to participate in this kind of wood-driven element. Um, whether it's, you know, just having a little bonfire in the backyard and getting the kids involved if you have kids or inviting some friends over and just kind of hanging out. It's a great way to, again, nourish the body and kind of celebrate this wood element. And the third one would be eat seasonally when you can from trees. We talked about fruit being a huge component to trees. We talked about nut trees, walnuts, almonds, you name it, um, pecans. If you're in a region, there's a lot of food that comes from trees, a ton of food. They're a very, very, very valuable resource. So eat from them. Um, eat seasonally. I mean, indulge when they are in season and when they're out, then don't utilize it as much. Anytime something is in season, especially fruit and nuts, then eat as much as you can whenever you want. And then when it's gone, it's gone. And don't eat it because your body's not going to be as adapted to eating that food in, you know, your your body's going to be adapted, adapted to eating blackberries in winter as it is in late July or August. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be detrimental to your health, but from a biological perspective, again, 
it's going to be healthier if you can eat what's in season. So there are your tips for the week. Thank you so much for listening to episode four of the Ancestral Elements podcast. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave me a rating and review. This will help people find the podcast so we can grow the audience. Thank you so much for listening.